You are listening to Payers, Providers, and Patients Oh My. I'm Joe Records. And I'm Pyle Nanabuddy. For today's episode, we're going to talk about the mental health provisions of the recent gun safety legislation, which you may have heard referred to as the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. This legislation was signed into law on June 25th, 2022 by President Biden. And not only does this legislation include major gun safety provisions, which have, of course, received the most media attention, but it also attempts to address the need for additional mental health resources and funding at the federal level. In this episode, we are joined by Charlotte Freed and Scott Douglas, two members of Kroll's Government Affairs Group, to discuss the legislation's ramifications for the behavioral health care industry. And as we'll hear, this legislation will afford new and unique opportunities that impact the way in which federal funds are allocated at the federal level and to states for both behavioral health and telehealth. So with that, I'd like to pass the mic to Charlotte to provide some highlights of this major legislation. Yeah, thank you, Joe and Pyle, both for um, allowing us to come on discuss this issue. So as you mentioned, this uh, new legislation was introduced as the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. It's the largest single federal investment in gun control since the Brady Bill, which was in 1994, which mandated a five-day waiting period before any unlicensed individual could purchase a handgun. So essentially, it's been about 30 years since gun control has been successfully addressed at this scale on a federal level. There have been a few differing reports on how much money will actually be allocated to mental health services, but our estimate from reading the text is about a $4 billion investment. So by comparison, the fiscal 2022 allocation for substance abuse and mental health services administration was just over $6 billion. And to compare to any other federal agency, about 0.16.16 of federal spending goes towards the Environmental Protection Agency, which is awarded about $9 billion annually. So we are seeing about half of that number going separately to mental health services in this one piece of legislation. So this is one of the most significant investments in mental health in decades, if not ever, and really could signify a shift in future mental health investment at the federal level. So select Congress members have been trying for about a decade to get support for increased mental health services to alleviate the impact of police forces and hospitals that they argue are overworked and generally poorly equipped to handle these types of issues. So in this legislation, there's five general buckets of funding. We have the first being community mental health programs. The second is Medicaid and telehealth. The third is healthcare services in schools. The fourth is diagnostics, so essentially just requiring CMS, which is Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services, to regularly review implementation processes. The last is pediatric mental health care access reauthorization. So the highlights of this bill under all of these sub-subheaders, it expands greatly the access to behavioral health clinics and services. So we we have seen recently the implementation of the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, which has already been rolled out. It's up and running. That was a part of this legislation here. It also requires CMS to provide a bunch of guidance on a bunch of different issues, such as how to increase access to mental health care services via telehealth, Medicaid, and CHIPS. It also helps to implement and expand health programs and 
schools through guidance that CMS provides and federal grants. So there are appropriations for school-based mental health services, training for school-based mental health staff, out-of-school or after-school programs, and school safety as well as separate appropriations for at more at the community level. So we have support after traumatic events, telemental health services for children, pediatricians, and mental health specialists, as well as increased training for pediatric providers and community and first responders. So as we can see, this bill on a whole represents a grand investment in, in schools, children, and family mental health services, as well as crisis resources. So Charlotte, that sounds like it's a, a whole lot of dollars. Scott, can, can we turn to you for a moment to talk a little bit about implementation to how, how those dollars end up getting spent and by whom? Sure. Yeah, Joe. And thank you, Joe and Pyle, for the invitation to be with you all today. It's a really exciting time if you're in the mental health field, either as a provider or, or otherwise involved, or just a uh, somebody that's interested in community mental health. I heard somebody describe this legislation recently as a gun safety bill wrapped in a mental health bill. Uh, that's quite an apt way to describe this legislation because for all the attention that the gun safety provisions have gotten, frankly, the, the vast majority of the, of the legislation is really focused on mental health investments. And as, as Charlotte outlined, those mental health investments are going to be made in a number of buckets. Uh, much of it's going to be school-based, and we can walk through some of the details as we, as we go through it. But the U.S. Department of Education has estimated that they now have responsibility for about $2 billion in funding to schools and to other agencies that are school adjacent in, in this legislation. So Charlotte also mentioned roughly $4 billion in investment. That number does not include $8.6 billion over the next 10 years for the Medicaid pilot program to, to expand certified community mental health centers. And that's, a, that's funding that's going to begin in 2024. So actually, the, the legislation is, is set to provide more than $12 billion in funding in various aspects of, of community and school-based mental health programs. So, so we're really excited about the opportunities that exist here. Uh, much of the school-based mental health investments are going to be made in the upcoming 2022-2023 school year. Uh, in fact, at least a billion of the two billion in school-based mental health services will be provided through grants that are going to be available to schools and higher education institutions until March 1st of 2023. So the legislation really is to be commended for a number of reasons, but most pleased to report that uh, much of this funding is going to be accelerated. And then, of course, as we also know, to the extent that this legislation provided additional funding for existing federal programs, that will also speed the deployment of those funds into the communities. Some of the other provisions that require new programs in, in federal agencies take a little more time to get up and running. Uh, federal agencies have to go through rulemaking and set up their processes to get the money deployed. So uh, we don't see a whole lot of that in this bill. I think the uh, I think Congress really 
tried to direct funds into existing programs to the greatest extent possible to speed the deployment uh, of that money. Thanks, Scott. And so does it make sense to talk about what some of those existing programs are? Yeah, I think so. So a a couple of these are going to be familiar to to anybody who's currently active in in the mental health field. A couple of federal agencies that you're going to hear a lot about are HRSA. And of course, anybody that's involved in healthcare knows HRSA, the Health Resources and Services Administration at the Department of Health and Human Services. And then the other agency that will be deploying a lot of this money is SAMHSA the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. So they are featured quite prominently throughout the legislation. So for example, we see some of the funding going to SAMHSA's Community Mental Health Block Grant Program. That's probably, aside from the pilot program that's going to be run through Medicaid out to the states, uh, the $250 million over four years for community mental health block grants administered by SAMHSA is probably the most significant one of those. And of course, that's a that's a program that anybody in the mental health field will be familiar with. So this is just a plus up in that money. There are also uh, programs at HRSA that exist for training mental health primary care clinicians and primary care providers. That's the HRSA Primary Care Training and Enhancement Program, and also the uh, HRSA's Pediatric Mental Health Care Access Grant Program. $60 million goes to the former, the uh, Primary Care Training and Enhancement Program. Another $80 million going to support pediatric primary care providers through the uh, Pediatric Mental Health Care Access Program. Also, I mentioned the uh, school-based funding This is going to be administered by the Department of Education. That's broken into two major buckets. A billion dollars of investment in schools is being split uh, between a $500 million program that's going to provide school-based mental health services grants directly to schools to, to help schools recruit and retain qualified mental health service providers who provide school based mental health services to students. And those are going to be in demonstrated high need school districts. And then working alongside that program is going to be another half billion dollars, 500 million for the school-based mental health services professional demonstration grants. And this is a real opportunity, not just for primary and secondary education, K through 12 schools, but also for higher education. This $500 million is going to be providing competitive grants to increase and and utilize innovative partnerships between higher education institutions and local school districts to help deploy qualified mental health service providers in high-need school districts. So this is a a really innovative program that, that satisfies two needs. We obviously have a need for mental health services in our primary and secondary education, but Our uh, graduates in higher education are soon to be graduates in psychiatric and psychological fields have a need for real life experience. So as these students who are going to be graduating soon need co-op, internship, field study experience. So we, we marry those two needs and create a way for higher education institutions to provide those real-world experiences 
in K through 12 schools by providing mental health services to our school children. Those two programs alone account for a billion dollars in funding for school-based mental health services. And I will add a point here, Scott. As you mentioned, a lot of these community-based programs allocate money into already existing programs. These school-based mental health services in these grants that you had just mentioned, you just mentioned two, both of those, each for 500 million are available until March 1st, 2023. So just going back to the speed in which these funds may be going out the door and when uh, we might be able to see these programs implemented, we would assume, you know, that that as of now, if they are available for about a year, that they would, these funds will be hitting within the next school year, as Scott mentioned. Great. So it sounds like a lot of funds being allocated here are really going to to pay for coverage of services, to pay for providers to be better equipped and, and be trained in the healthcare industry. Can we talk a little bit about industry impact? You know, what does this mean for, for providers either currently or, or sort of aspiring providers? Yeah, thanks, Joe. I, I think there are a number of ways providers are going to see the impact. One is, as Charlotte mentioned at the top of the summary, a a big bucket of funding through this legislation is going to provide expanded telehealth services through Medicaid. And those are for qualified mental health professionals, but also for primary care physicians in in, uh, early detection and um, other things that they're going to see in their primary care practice. So we do see, as I mentioned earlier, we do see opportunities for providers through the Pediatric Mental Health Care Access Grant Program, and that's going to be used to support pediatric primary care providers in in guiding the treatment of their patients. So we, we will see some opportunities, not just for additional training and awareness, but also in deploying things like telehealth services through expanded Medicaid opportunities. And that's a big piece of this legislation. Great. And so do you have any thoughts on how this legislation may impact payers? So payers, as we know, the commercial health insurance market typically follows Medicare and Medicaid. So we, we will see a downstream effect and I'm sure some private coverage, but most immediately the impacts obviously would be in those plans that are providing Medicaid coverage. So I'm thinking about health plans that, that primarily manage Medicaid programs around the country. That's going to be the most immediate and profound impact. And then what we will see through the expanded community mental health services piece of it is to the extent that, that public payers are sort of leading the way in some of this coverage, it's only a matter of time before the commercial market follows. And, and of course, what we see already is... is Commercial health plans already provide, in some cases, more robust mental health coverage. So uh, in some cases, this will be just uh, the public payers catching up, both in terms of reimbursement and innovation. But there will most certainly be an impact on both the public and the private payer side. Stepping for a moment outside of my role here as a host, I I wonder, Scott, if we're going to see, because the bill potentially has an impact on the number of mental health care providers, I know that's a challenge for a lot of payers in a lot of markets, especially in markets that are subject to network adequacy standards, where payers have challenges in having enough 
behavioral health providers. And, and I, I wonder if what we'll see, probably more likely in the long term than the short term, but I, I wonder if we would see uh, some improvements on that front, that there are more providers available for the services that are covered. Yeah, that's a very good point, Joe. And I think if the legislation has its intended effect, you will most certainly see that because we are going to uh, hopefully see a, a significant increase in the number of qualified mental health professionals operating both in the community and in schools. And that re- that really begs another point, which is this legislation really envisions a lot of innovation uh, in the provision of mental health services in those settings. So I think innovative providers could, could find ways to be value added in new settings. For example, a community mental health provider could find an opportunity, particularly in those rural areas where we see gaps in network adequacy and things like that. Perhaps community mental health providers could, could see an opportunity to help their local schools, either in, in providing some of the school-based mental health services or helping to, to train and equip those that are going to be uh, providing those services in schools. So I think uh, aside from the innovative partnership, for example, that the legislation creates between education, inst- higher education institutions and K through 12 schools, I think innovative providers in the community uh, may, may see an opportunity to, to help out in their local schools as well. Well, this has been a great conversation about legislation that seems to be expected to have impacts for a decade. So we thank you, Scott and Charlotte, for joining us on on this episode. Thank you, Pyle and Joe as well. We really appreciate being able to talk about a truly very important investment in our mental health crisis in this country. Yeah, thanks, Joe and Pyle. It was a real pleasure to be with you today. Payers, Providers, and Patients Oh My is a podcast brought to you by Kroll and Mooring LLP. You can find more information at kroll.com slash healthcare podcast.